The Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 27, Why is Losing a Good Thing in Sport? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I am your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to interview a special guest who can inspire and encourage you to be the best you can be in your profession, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports coaching. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Paul Asiente. Paul is a professional speaker, author and the current men's squash coach at Trinity College in Hartford, America. Paul has a unique coaching gift. At the moment, he is in his 23rd season at Trinity as head coach. During his time, he has been in 19 consecutive finals at the CSA National Championships. From 1999 to 2011, Paul has guided Trinity to 13 consecutive CSA national titles with 252 wins in a row. His overall record is 399 wins with 15 losses. I'm literally blown away by those figures. Also, for his services in coaching, Paul is a two-time Olympic Coach of the Year, World Championship Coach and the winningest coach in college history. I can honestly say that I'm very humbled to have Paul on the show as a special guest. That's why in this episode, Paul will share his career journey and explain why losing is important in sport. Paul, it's a privilege to have you on the show. Please, could you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Oh, my goodness. That's a good question. I my sports career, thats a, it sounds more grandiose than it actually is, but I started playing sports as a little person, and uh, and literally because I was a very little person, I was very small for my age, I went through all the traditional sports and pretty well flamed out of them, and um, because I was rather small, I actually took to gymnastics while I was still in high school, and then I was a gymnast through college and went on to become a coach in gymnastics first and stumbled into tennis and squash uh, as a young adult. Wow, just out of interest with regards to your introduction to squash and tennis, when did you get introduced to those sports which you're coaching now? Yeah, well, I was the assistant gymnastics coach at West Point, which um, I guess United States Military Academy in England would be sort of a, the Sandhurst. I think that's the equivalent there. Um, at any rate, I, I got pretty badly injured, and um, so I thought, well, I better learn a new game here because this isn't working out. And so I started playing tennis. I was about 25, and I had never held a tennis racket before. And believe me, Tennis is a heck of a lot easier to learn than gymnastics. So I got pretty good pretty quickly. And um, at that time, the tennis coach at West Point, who was a world-class tennis person, he had beaten Rod Laver in the Wimbledon Juniors. He was a Davis Cup participant. He quit. 
And like an idiot, I applied for the tennis coaching job at West Point, and I had no right getting it. They actually offered the job to seven other people, all of whom turned it down because they found out that it meant getting up at 5.30 in the morning and running with cadets. And the, the search committee thought, oh, my God, we have no choice. We have to hire this totally uh, underqualified person to be the tennis coach. And then they took me downstairs to the second floor of the gym, and they said, and by the way, this is a squash court, and you're now the head squash coach. And I had never seen a court before. I didn't even know. I didn't know how to keep score. I didn't know what the lines meant, nothing. Well, that makes sense because I played a lot of tennis when I was very young, and, well, for least well, 18 years I used to play a lot. And I was very interested how you got introduced to both sports because I hope you would agree that tennis and squash, I know you use a racket, but the techniques – are quite different, if, if that makes sense. May I ask how you cope with the technical aspect of the coaching for both sports? Well, to, they're, 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 mechanically, they are a bit different. There's no doubt about that. But to me, as a coach, all that I'm about is working with people and getting them to feel a level of accomplishment through sport. And it doesn't matter what sport it is. So if tomorrow the athletic director came up to me and said, we need a volleyball coach and you're it. I would go buy a book on volleyball and I would coach the team because the, me the mechanical stuff, the technical stuff, yeah, you can learn that. But the coaching, the actual getting in the trenches and, and, and teaching people things, that's not sports specific. Just relating though with the, your career, what have you learned the most during your coaching career looking back now? Love wins. Love wins. If you make your 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 play or if you help your players understand that you truly care about them and you're truly there for them and that you will do whatever you can to help them enjoy the experience but also to be the best version best version of themselves they can be, then they will begin to trust you. And when they trust you, then you develop this relationship that's a lifetime relationship, not just for the short time that you're coaching them. And that's the paycheck for both sides. And if you genuinely care about the people around you, they will, they will flower. Just relating to the listeners listening in who are sport coaches and they want to improve themselves, in your opinion, what core skills do you need to be a sports coach? You need to know, you need to have knowledge of the activity. That's important. And interestingly enough, in my 42 years, most of the people that I've met that were coaches and pros and teachers have the knowledge. The other thing you need to have, which I've only recently learned, and I have not always been good at this, but now that I'm old, I'm better, um, is you need to be humble. That sounds crazy, but if you're going to be a coach, you need to understand that it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the person you're working with. And I think that when you're in a contest, um, you shouldn't know that the coach is even there. But so many of us want it to be all about us because it fulfills a need, whatever that need is, and it's never about us. I tell the players all the time, you have to understand I'm here for you. You're not here for me. And, I, and I've only recently stumbled upon this concept. Wow, because the, the, the next thing I was going to discuss with you was with regards to your work at Trinity. And, and I have to go back to that sort of winning record you had with those 13 consecutive seasons 
just re- reflecting back from that moment, may I ask how you stay composed within yourself and your teams each season? Well, again, it's everybody gets caught up in all of the other stuff. <laughs> you know, we get caught up in records and streaks and accomplishments, and that's not what it's about. And so if you keep the right things in your focus, which is trying to help people improve, then all of those other things don't factor in. There's no, there's no composure issue because it's not about me. If we win or we lose, the next day I have the same job. And in many cases, ironically, um, if we lose, I get to do more coaching. Because when young people win, they're immediately looking to the next day, the next contest, the next, con- you know, whatever they're striving for. And, but if they lose, the train stops. Whoa, what just happened here? Uh, how, uh, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? How can I adjust? What's wrong with my coach? He stinks, you know, all of these different things. And so um, I don't get, I no longer get uptight. I do feel nervous for the players because I want them to do well, particularly if they've truly prepared correctly. But I don't get nervous anymore because I know it's just not about me. You just sort of highlight today's main topic with regards to this interview. In your opinion, why is losing a good thing in sport? It's everything. To me, life is a loser's game. I mean, I have that on my board in my office. Life is a loser's game. We advance and we grow as people through failure. We, just by the way we are wired, when we win, when we succeed, we're on to the next one. But when we don't, that's when we go through a period of introspection, evaluation, and analyzing what just happened. And hopefully, if we can take the emotion out of it, which is very hard to do, and just learn the messages then we can move forward and be more effective. One of the problems we have as a society is, um, and I'm writing another book um, called In the Name of Love, because in the name of love, I'm concerned that we're destroying an entire generation of people, of young people, because we're so, we don't want them to fail. We want them to be perfect. We want them to excel. And so we're doing everything for them. We're carrying the water for them everywhere. We're, and, and in doing that, we're crippling the kids. And on the other side of it, when they come to college or wherever they come and you stay, look more put together than they've ever looked before, the first time they face adversity, they fall into a million pieces because they're not, they've not been raised to understand it's good to fail as long as you learn. Now, don't fail in the same way multiple times because then you're not learning anything. He who doesn't learn from history is destined to repeat it, but but that's the beauty. That's the moment. It's losing. It's everything. Paul, I wish I heard this piece of advice a couple of years ago because what <laughs> you just said, I, you, you, I, what I'm going through now, I'm learning and, and I can relate to it as well. And to be honest, failing is a good thing. I think you learn more. But just relating to the coaching side again, from your experience, what is the biggest lesson you've learned as a coach after your team has lost? Immediately after defeat. Or, or anything uh, in life, immediately after not closing a deal, immediately after having a fight with your partner, in that heated moment, no learning goes on. 
You, that's not a teachable moment. The failure is a teachable moment, but not immediately afterwards. Immediately afterwards, for years and years, I left my players alone after they lost. And what I learned was they thought I was angry with them. So what I do now is when they lose or when they fail, I go up to them and I put my hand on their shoulders just to let them know I'm there for them. Okay. And uh, just tough match or tough game. And then I walk away. Later on, we circle back when they're calmer. And I say, okay, what just happened? Let's talk about it. This is the great opportunity. Um, um, and that's where the learning goes on. And then it needs to be done repetitively. You know, if you have a little child in the house, no, don't touch that hot stove. You have to say that over and over and over again. Well, same with coaching. Just because you've imparted this knowledge or this wisdom on the heels of the train crash that just happened doesn't mean that they're going to be able to adjust it. All you've done is told them what happened. Now you've got to help them develop the skills or the tools to be able to be successful going forward. And many times that's a large amount of repetition. In your opinion, then, how important is player management during those moments? Player management. Explain what you mean by that. With regards to different characters, you know, people respond differently to losing. That makes sense. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, a hundred percent. So this is where love wins. You really need to get to know the, your charges. You really need to get to know them, which is why it's so tricky with freshmen and young underclassmen. You don't you don't have a language built up with them yet. You have to develop a different language for every single person you work with. Um, it's interesting. I, I, one of my dear friends here is Bill Belichick, who's the uh, coach of the New England Patriots, and uh, that's American football for those of you over in England. And um, one of the things he has told me recently is you can't treat everybody the same. And I used to try to, and now I know you can't. You simply cannot treat everyone the same. And in that vein, you need to have a different dialogue, a different language with each person and that language needs to be based on where they're coming from too many coaches say this is me you must come to me i think you need to go to the to the player or the student or the athlete and communicate with them on their terms so that you get to know them well enough so that you can give them what they need at that moment whether it be um a hug whether it be a kick in the pants but you can't do those things safely until you know what the student that, that sounds really interesting. It's an area I'm finding fascinating from a learning perspective, especially in team sports. But just with the sports you coach, it's very individual. Do you think there's a difference? Well, I, the coach, well, that's one of the things that I, I don't teach this as an individual. I, do, I teach this as a team sport, both tennis and squash. We only talk about team. We never talk about individual accomplishments because, again, there's a team score on the other end of it. We, you talked about my record or our streaks. That's all team. And I never talk to the boys about their individual accomplishments. Interestingly enough here, to, to highlight that, and as a way that I emphasize that with them, in, in college squash, you have the team championships first. And then on the other end of it, you, two weeks later, you have the individual championships. I do not coach the players the two weeks between team and individuals. I go with them to the individuals. But those two weeks are for them. And the reason I do that is to emphasize with them, I don't care about this event. 
this is for you, and I hope you do well. I'm all about the team. And it's interesting because we have 17 countries represented in this program. And these boys come in from around the world, and they've all been told they're the greatest thing since soft ice cream. They're the best, the brightest. You know, they're the center of their respective universes. And they come to us, and I say, no, you're not. You're just a part of the team. You're just a link in the chain. And with regard to the freshmen, on the first day of practice, I ask them to stand up and introduce themselves and where they're from. And then I tell them, you may play number one because you may be the most talented person in this room, but you're a freshman and you need to remember that you're the lowest form of life on earth. And I, be- and I believe in the rite of passage. I believe that when they become upperclassmen, they're the leaders. They've earned my respect and they will, they will run it. But when they're young, no, not at all. And that teaches the concept of team. I couldn't agree more with that. That's what I was about to say. It all comes back to the your first sort of response, the respect aspect. Just out of interest, what have you been up to recently? Oh well, I just uh, we just had uh, the, we just hosted the Pan American Federation Games here at Trinity College. It was the first time. Um, it was the first time it was ever held in the United States. So that was really really fun. Um, this past week, and I was. Uh, honored by being inducted into the U.S. Squash Hall of Fame at the U.S. Open, and I had uh, we had uh, over 50 former players come back and celebrate that day, and um, and I got up and basically what I said to everyone there was, you know, this is incredibly humbling, but understand that if you go into the Hall of Fame as a player, it's all about you <laughs> and what you've done. If you go in as a coach. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the players. And I said, you know, can anyone in the room tell me who the jockey was on Secretariat? And I said, that's the point. Everybody remembers Secretariat. You guys were Secretariat. And I was just the jockey. Paul, can I just say firstly, congratulations. And it relates to to this question, actually. What do you enjoy the most about your coaching career, looking back now? Oh, oh, the lifetime relationships with the players. I just love these boys. And, you know, it's interesting. Nine boys go out and play in a match. I have 22 on the team. That means at any point in time, 13 boys are not going to be very happy with me. (laughs) And that's good because you want everyone to want to be in there. That said, I don't care what they think of me at that moment. But I am very interested to know what they think about me 15 years out. Because by then, life has tenderized them. It's bounced them around. It's taught them lessons. I want to know what they thought about our time together then. That is something that's really important to me. There's a wonderful Mark Twain quote. It says, when I was 15 years old, I thought my father was stupid. And when I was 25, I couldn't believe how much he learned in 10 years. And I, that's really the, the essence for me. So it's all about the lifetime relationships. And that's the paycheck. That's the paycheck. Paul, I couldn't agree more with the sort of life lessons. And it feel, I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to students who want to pursue a career in coaching? Well, first of all, you'll never have much money in your checking account. You will not be driving a very hot car. but you will be richer than you could ever imagine 
if you make it all about your players because love wins and to have that relationship with people for the rest of your life makes you a very very rich person paul that is great i really do hope the listeners take that piece of advice on board i have with regards to love wins how can people interact with you uh, well, um, I speak through the Goodman Speakers Bureau and Diane Goodman. Um, so we, you could reach out to me through that, or you could simply um, reach out to me by email, and um, and I'll let you give everybody my email address so that I don't waste time on this uh, interview. But I will respond to anyone that emails me um, because, again, it, we're, we're building a spider web of connectedness all around the world. Paul, that is great. To all the listeners listening in, all of Paul's contact details will be on my blog relating to this post. Paul, it's been great chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow, what a really fascinating insight from Paul's interview. I particularly enjoyed listening to the journey side of the whole interview with regards to his coaching career. You know, right from the word go, well, I didn't even know that he started in gymnastics then to take up a new sport and coaching, squash and tennis, with a job that he even said he didn't deserve with regards to the experience or the expertise. But look, reflecting back, how having that courage and positive attitude, anything's possible. Not just the winning side, where he even mentioned that to him that was never his main goal. It's never about him. It's all about his players. To me, that's what I learned the most with regards to his philosophy and coaching, which is so relevant to areas of life. So from a coaching perspective, if you are thinking about pursuing a coaching in any sport or in any level, I really do hope that you take Paul's tips of advice with regards to how you can be a great coach by just remembering that the main focus is not you, but your players. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Paul said, Life is a loser's game. We advance and grow through failure. Because in the end, love wins.